Welcome to Music History Monday for July 25th, 2022. I'm Bob Greenberg, and the title for today's podcast is Under the Covers. If you haven't already, please consider joining me on my subscription site at patreon.com slash robertgreenbergmusic, where I blog, vlog, podcast, pontificate, review, and bloviate four to six times a week. We mark the death on July 25th, 1984, 38 years ago today, of the American rhythm and blues singer Willie Mae Big Mama Thornton. Born on December 11th, 1926, she died in Los Angeles of both heart and liver disease brought on by alcohol abuse. According to Jillian Gar, writing in She's a Rebel, The History of Women and Rock and Roll, Seal Press, 1992, during the brief period of her final illness, Thornton went from 450 pounds, Big Mama is right, to just 95 pounds, a weight loss of some 355 pounds. Thornton scored her one and only hit when, on August 13, 1952, she recorded a brand new 12-bar blues song by Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller entitled Hound Dog. Released by Peacock Records in February 1953, Big Mama Thornton's Hound Dog sold over 500,000 copies and spent 14 weeks on the rhythm and blues charts seven of those 14 weeks at number one. Thornton's recording is linked. Uh, by the way, please ignore the photo of Josephine Baker at the top of the link. Big Mama's left leg was bigger than all of Madam Baker. Thornton's recording of Hound Dog was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 2013 and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame lists it as one of the 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. For our information, Big Mama Thornton made a total of $100 from the recording. Since Thornton made that first recording, Hound Dog has been recorded over 250 times, but by far the best-known version was recorded in July 1956 by the King himself, Elvis Presley, 1935-1977. Presley's version of Hound Dog sold over 10 million copies across the globe, making it Elvis's best-selling record and one of the best-selling records of all time. In 1956, it sat at number one on Billboard magazine's pop chart for 11 consecutive weeks, a record that stood for 36 years until 1992-93 when Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You spent 14 weeks at number one. Elvis Presley's performance of Hound Dog on The Ed Sullivan Show, recorded on October 28, 1956, is linked. Elvis made many millions of dollars from his recording of Hound Dog. After he died in 1977, 
Big Mama Thornton was asked by a reporter how she felt about having received only $100 for her recording. Her famous reply, quote, I'm still here to spend my hundred bucks, unquote. Touché, Big Mama. Touché. A cover. Elvis Presley's recording of Hound Dog is an example of what's called a cover. A cover song, or a cover version, or simply a cover, is a remake or revival of a popular song, a performance or recording of a song by a musician other than its original performer. When the term cover first began to be used in the late 1940s and early 1950s, it referred to a version of a song released around the same time as the original in order to compete with it. Now it refers to any subsequent version performed after the original. Most bands, including the garage bands I played in as a teenager, will offer up a variety of covers and originals. However, casual bands, that is, a band that plays casuals, one-off gigs like weddings, proms, bar and bat mitzvahs, corporate parties and such, are cover bands in that their repertoire consists entirely of songs with which the audience is already familiar. Other names for such bands are dance bands or top 40 bands. Then there are the ultimate cover bands, also known as tribute bands or tribute acts. These are bands or individual performers that make their living performing, reinterpreting, or even parodying the music of some other band or individual performer. The most common of such tribute acts are the innumerable Elvis impersonators plying their trade from Las Vegas to Auckland. My goodness, when it comes to these sorts of bands, where do we start? There's the uber-popular Australian band Bjorn Again, a tribute act to the Swedish group ABBA. Then there are such tribute bands as Led Zepp Again, the Australian Pink Floyd, and Iron Maidens, the latter after Iron Maiden. But such cover acts get stranger still, as some of them reinterpret the music they would be covering in what are essentially paradistic mashups. For example, as we might guess from the name of the group, Dread Zeppelin performs reggae versions of the music of Led Zeppelin. In fact, Dread Zeppelin delivers a tribute band two for one, as its lead singer is a 300-pound Elvis impersonator named Greg Tortell, who goes by the stage name of Tortelvis. In the link provided, Dread Zeppelin performs Led Zeppelin's Whole Lot of Love on the French television show Les Nuls L'Emission, a French knockoff of Saturday Night Live on April 6, 1991. Then there's Betalica which, as its name rather clearly informs us, performs heavy metal versions of the Beatles catalog. Please check out the link to Beatallica's scintillating performance slash music video of All You Need 
is blood. When covers do it better. Let's be honest here. Elvis Presley's cover of Hound Dog cannot, cannot be considered superior to Big Mama Thornton's performance, which nails the song like a Simone Biles dismount. Besides, Thornton's performance actually makes literary sense. In the southern United States, hound dog is slang for a womanizing, promiscuous man, a man that in the song Hound Dog is presumably sniffing around and crying at a woman's door. You ain't nothing but a hound dog crying all the time. You ain't nothing but a hound dog crying all the time. Well, you ain't never caught a rabbit, meaning here a woman, and you ain't no friend of mine. In terms of its lyrics, Elvis Presley's cover of Hound Dog makes no literary sense. Covers that are better than the originals. While Elvis Presley's cover of Hound Dog cannot be said to be qualitatively better than Big Mama Thornton's original, the repertoire is filled with covers that are indeed qualitatively better than the original, at least in the ears and minds of most auditors. Let's explore some outstanding such examples. Early in their recording career, the Beatles could not have gotten by without covers. Their debut album, Please Please Me, released on March 22nd, 1963, featured eight songs written by John Lennon and Paul McCartney and six cover songs. Among those covers was Twist and Shout by Phil Medley and Burt Burns, which had first been recorded by the rhythm and blues group The Top Notes in 1961 and then by the Isley Brothers, whose performance reached the top 20 on Billboard's Hot 100 chart. But no one remembers either of those recordings because after the Beatles covered Twist and Shout in 1963, the song belonged to them. John Lennon sang the lead vocal and was initially unhappy with his performance, quote, because I could sing better than that, but now it doesn't bother me. You can hear that I'm just a frantic guy doing his best, unquote. Yeah, during the course of the recording session, which took place on February 11th, 1963, a second take of Twist and Shout was attempted, but quickly abandoned. Lennon's first take had used him up. He was so hoarse, he could hardly speak, yet sing. As a result, according to the American music critic, Stephen Thomas Erlewine, the Beatles version of Twist and Shout is, quote, the most famous single take in rock history, unquote. Likewise, the Beatles' 1963 covers of Mr. Postman, originally recorded in 1961 by the Marvells, later known as the Marvelettes, and Chuck Berry's Roll Over Beethoven, originally recorded in 1956, were for a generation of auditors, myself included, the definitive performances of these songs. <laughs> and you can tell Tchaikovsky the news. Oh my God, there are many, many 
other such examples of rock and roll covers that exceeded their original recordings, to the degree that we as an audience might think that the cover was indeed the original. For example, Carlos Santana's 1970 cover of the 1968 Fleetwood Mac single, Black Magic Woman. Then there's Janis Joplin's cover of Chris Christopherson's Me and Bobby McGee. Dolly Parton, born 1946, wrote and recorded I Will Always Love You in 1973. The single, meaning the 45 RPM record, was released in 1974. Written as a farewell to her mentor and business partner, Porter Wagoner, it hit number one on Billboard's Hot Country Songs chart twice, first in 1974 and then again in 1982, when she re-recorded it for the soundtrack of the movie, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Most impressive. Nevertheless, Parton's recordings were completely overshadowed by Whitney Houston's cover, which was released in November 1992 as part of the soundtrack for the movie The Bodyguard, which was Houston's film debut. Houston's single, of I Will Always Love You sat at number one on Billboard's Hot 100 chart for 14 weeks, breaking a record held for 36 years since 1956 by Elvis Presley's cover of Hound Dog, as mentioned previously. It was Houston's longest run atop the chart. Arista Records' biggest hit, the longest number one run by a female performer, and the longest running number one single from any soundtrack album. No surprise, Houston's cover of I Will Always Love You became her signature song. One more. The ultimate cover. Respect. The wonderful and terribly short-lived Otis Redding 1941 to 1967, he was killed in a plane crash, wrote, or co-wrote, no one seems to know for sure, Respect in 1965. Today referred to as the sole anthem, Respect appeared on Redding's third album, Otis Blue, Otis Redding Sings Soul, which was released in the summer of 1965. Redding's version of respect would seem, at first, to be a traditional domestic homily. What you want, honey, you got it. You can do me wrong, honey, while I'm gone. All I'm asking is for a little respect when I come home. In terms of its meaning, this seems pretty straightforward. A man leaves the house and goes to work. He expects his woman to behave herself while he's gone, and on his return, he demands a little respect. Respect being a euphemism for deference and sexual reward. However, the meaning of Redding's version of the song changes at the end, when he sings with growing vehemence, Respect is what I want. Respect is what I need. I gotta, gotta have it. Just give me some respect. This is no longer just a guy making demands of his woman. This is a black American male in 1965, during the midst of the civil rights movement, demanding the respect that should be his birthright. 
understood this way, Redding's respect is not just a soul anthem, but a civil rights anthem as well. Redding's recording of Respect was a commercial success, peaking at number 35 on Billboard's Hot 100 chart. The link to Redding's performance of Respect was recorded live at the Monterey Pop Festival on June 17, 1967, just six months before his death. During the course of introducing Respect in the provided link, Redding makes a mention of some very current events. Quote, This next song is a song that a girl took away from me. Good friend of mine, this girl. She just took this song, but I'm still going to do it anyway. Unquote. That girl was Aretha Franklin, 1942-2018, to whose cover of Respect was released by Atlantic Records in April of 1967. Aretha Franklin flipped the gender of the song's lyrics and, in doing so, made Respect a feminist anthem. She also added four lines to Redding's original that instantly became the song's hook. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Take care of TCB. TCB is an abbreviation used in the 1960s and 1970s, meaning taking care of business, which was black American slang for pleasing one's partner. The repetitions of Sock It To Me that follow, sung by the backup singers in Franklin's version of the song, would um, pound in that slang reference. As the Cleveland plain dealer pop music critic John Soder observed, quote, she, Franklin, altered the lyrics to represent herself, a strong woman demanding respect from her man, unquote. Aretha Franklin performs Respect at the Paris Jazz Festival, circa 1969, in the provided link. Brian McCollum, music critic for the Detroit Free Press writes, quote, Franklin's cover of the song has been dissected in books and academic papers, held up as a groundbreaking feminist and civil rights statement in an era when such declarations weren't always easy to make, unquote. In an interview many years later, Franklin was asked what motivated her bold stance in respect during those salad days of the women's movement and civil rights movement. She responded, quote, I don't think it is bold at all. I think it is quite natural that we all want respect and should get it, unquote. Certainly, Aretha Franklin's cover of respect received its share of respect. It charted internationally and crossed over two of the most important American charts, spending two weeks at number one on Billboard's Hot 100 and eight weeks at number one on Billboard's Hot Rhythm and Blues songs. Respect made Aretha Franklin an international star and remained her signature song for the rest of her life. In 2021, Rolling Stone magazine updated its 500 Greatest Songs of All Time list. 
Yeah, as we have observed in previous posts, the arrogance of calling the list the 500 greatest songs of all time is itself off the charts, as the list only begins circa 1950 with rhythm and blues. No Schubert, no Mahler, no Ellington, no Gershwin. We'll let this go for now. In Rolling Stone's updated 2021 version of its 500 greatest songs of all time list, Aretha Franklin's cover of Respect moved up to number one, bumping Bob Dylan's, like a Rolling Stone, down to number four. Writes the editors of Rolling Stone magazine, quote, Respect catalyzed rock and roll, gospel and blues to create the model for soul music that artists still look to today. Just as important, the song's unapologetic demands resonated powerfully with the civil rights movement and emergent feminist revolution, fitting for an artist who donated to the Black Panther Party and sang at the funeral of Martin Luther King Jr. In her 1999 memoir, Franklin wrote that the song reflected, quote, the need of the average man and woman in the street, the businessman, the mother, the fireman, the teacher. Everyone wanted respect, unquote. As we all still do. Thank you. To sample and download one or all of my many courses on subjects musical produced by The Great Courses slash The Teaching Company, please visit my website at robertgreenbergmusic.com.